Hi, Rebels. This Financial Literacy Month, Rebel Girls teamed up with Greenlight, the debit card and money app for families, to bring you everything you need to be smart with your money and to build healthy habits that last a lifetime. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids learn to make smart choices with every penny, whether you're saving for something special or learning to invest. Greenlight gives kids the power to be independent and grown-ups can trust that their kids have money wherever they are. Sign up at greenlight.com slash rebelgirls to get your first month at no cost and start building money confidence for life. Once upon a time, there was a brave little girl whose love for learning was stronger than her fears and made her one of the youngest trailblazers in the civil rights movement. Her name was Ruby. On November 14, 1960, Ruby was excited to start at a new school. She wasn't sure why she was moving schools in the middle of the school year, but Ruby didn't mind. So long as she was able to continue learning new things. On the morning of her first day, Ruby's mother helped her get into a pretty new dress while her younger siblings played at the table. As Ruby placed her feet into her patent leather shoes, Little did she know that in a few moments, she'd be walking into the history books. Then there was a knock at the door. Ruby's mother went to answer it. There were tall white men in suits outside. U.S. Marshals sent to escort Ruby and her mother to her new school. Their job was to protect Ruby on her way to school. Protect her from what, though? Ruby didn't understand why she needed protection at school. But soon, she'd find out. I'm Marley Dias, and this is Goodnight Stories for Rebel Girls, a fairy tale podcast about the rebel women who inspire us. On this episode, Ruby Bridges. In 1960, when Ruby began kindergarten, the schools in her area were segregated. That means the white children went to one school and the black children went to another. She attended a school for black children that was miles away from her home. The schools near her were for white children only. Ruby's mother knew that her daughter wasn't getting the education she deserved. The books were outdated, the classrooms were overcrowded, and the facilities were in poor condition. But that year, a judge demanded that two public schools in New Orleans integrate their classrooms. Pupils cannot be segregated by law on the basis of race. White legislators tried to stop it. They made an exam that only black children had to take in order to be admitted into white schools. It said they made it difficult on purpose so that it would be impossible to pass. Ruby sat for the test with her pencil sharp and eyes bright. And once the results were in, six students passed and Ruby was one of them. She was assigned to a school just a few blocks from her home called William France Elementary School. She'd be the first and for a while, 
only Black student there. On the morning of her first day of first grade, Ruby didn't really know what was at stake. She had heard her parents arguing about her new school, but she didn't realize that soon she'd make history and change the future of education. All she knew is that she got to wear a pretty new dress and her patent leather shoes and finally meet her new teacher and classmates. Ruby drove to school that day in the back seat of a big car driven by the federal marshals who would protect her. They gave her specific directions. Let us get out of the car first. Then you'll get out and the four of us will surround you, said one of the federal marshals. Just walk straight away and don't look back. At first, Ruby wasn't sure why she was given these instructions, but she listened carefully. And soon it was very clear. As they pulled up to her new school, Ruby held onto her mother's hand. It was scary going someplace new, especially when a large, loud crowd was surrounding your new school. One of the federal marshals opened the car door for Ruby and her mother, and Ruby did as she was told. She looked forward and not into the crowd as she walked with her mother, sandwiched between the federal marshals. All around her, adults were shouting. Ruby held her mother's hand tight as she approached her big new school with all these steps. She was excited to finally arrive, but also scared. What was her teacher like? Who is going to be her new best friend? And will these people be out here carrying on like this all day? Ruby was used to big, loud crowds. She was a New Orleans girl now, accustomed to Mardi Gras and big parades, but they didn't have these kinds of crowds at the black schools. Is this how white people did it at their big, fancy schools? Because Ruby was trying to ignore the crowd, she didn't see the anger in the eyes of people who were shouting, go back home, and holding signs that said, whites only. As Ruby and her mother walked into the school, she noticed other mothers holding the hands of children her age, rushing them down the very steps she just walked up. Soon, there wasn't much activity going on in her big new school. And she didn't know why. Her first day of school was spent in the principal's office, waiting, waiting to meet her new teacher, waiting to see her new classroom, waiting to make new friends. But on that first day, that's all that would happen. There wasn't a teacher who was willing to teach Ruby, so she had nothing to do but wait. The next day of school was similar to the first, Ruby was chauffeured to school by four federal marshals, and as she pulled up, she was met with a large crowd of angry white people. This time, Ruby understood they weren't there for Mardi Gras. They were there to make her feel unwelcome, to make her feel scared. As the crowd shouted terrible things, Ruby stayed in between the four federal marshals and looked straight ahead. Fortunately, there was good news inside. A teacher from Boston had transferred to William France School and would be Ruby's teacher. Her name was Mrs. Barbara Henry, and she and Ruby would have an instant connection. 
Day after day, Ruby continued to go to school, sandwiched between four federal marshals. The mobs of angry people with their we want segregation signs continued to shout mean things to her. Ruby tried to ignore the crowd, but she couldn't help but notice that one of the women was holding a small coffin with a little black doll in it, and she was threatening to poison Ruby's food. That lady showed up day after day. This scared her a lot. Once she was in her classroom, Ruby felt safe and eager to learn. Mrs. Henry always greeted Ruby warmly and made her feel welcome. She was kind and could see how smart Ruby was. But there was one problem. Ruby was the only person in her classroom. Most of the other students had been taken out of school by their parents, and the few who were left behind were separated from Ruby. Being isolated made Ruby feel like she'd done something wrong. She couldn't even go to the restroom without being escorted by one of the federal marshals. When lunch came around, she'd eat by herself, but she was even afraid to eat since the lady outside had threatened to poison her. But she kept on going. I have to tell you about my friend Penelope. She is hilarious. She only eats cheese doodles and canned beans, and she loves to sing and fly through walls. Wait, did I tell you that Penelope is my imaginary friend? Well, she is, but she's totally real to me. Anywho, Penelope and I are very excited because there's a new movie coming out on May 17 all about imaginary friends. It's called IF which stands for Imaginary Friends. Pretty cool, am I right? IF is so much fun, with lovable fuzzy giants and bright new galaxies. It stars Kaylee Fleming as B, a girl who discovers that she can see everyone else's ifs. Meanwhile, Cal, played by Ryan Reynolds, can also see ifs. Together, they team up and go on a magical adventure to reconnect forgotten ifs with their kids. IF is from the brilliant mind of writer-director John Krasinski. It also stars John Krasinski, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Maya Rudolph, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Emily Blunt, Aquafina, and Steve Carell, just to name a few. It celebrates the incredible power of curiosity and creativity, and it's definitely a laugh-out-loud adventure for the whole family. IF comes out in theaters starting May 17th and is guaranteed to knock your socks off. What? Oh, Penelope says she wears two pairs of socks at all times. Also, that imaginary friends get limitless refills on popcorn. So join us in the theater on May 17th. Bring your imaginary friends too. Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right. You can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. 
Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Ruby enjoyed learning with Mrs. Henry, but her parents could see that all of the pressure was having an impact. Ruby's parents often argued about whether or not it was worth it to put their daughter through so much turmoil. Ruby's father didn't want his daughter to be somewhere she wasn't wanted. And while Ruby's mother was also angered by the viciousness of the mobs, she believed it was worth the fight if it meant that Ruby would have a better education. As Ruby continued to bravely face the mob at school each day, people in the community also tried to intimidate her family in other ways. Ruby's father was fired from his job. Her grandparents lost their home. And the local grocery store refused to sell food to the Bridges family. The stress that Ruby was carrying was extremely heavy for a first grader. It caused her to have nightmares and she was still nervous to eat food. What if that lady from the mob had poisoned it, she thought. Eventually, Ruby started to see a child psychologist named Dr. Robert Coles. He talked to Ruby about her experiences and helped her through those difficult months. He saw how hard it was for her to be under all of this pressure. He admired how much she still enjoyed school and was impressed that she wasn't angry with all the people spewing so much hate towards her. One day, as Ruby swiftly walked through the mob with the four federal marshals, she suddenly stopped and turned around to face the crowd. The federal marshals tried to direct her back to school. But she continued to look up at the faces of the adults who had been screaming at her for all these months. Later, when Mrs. Henry asked her what she was saying to the mob, Ruby told them she wasn't saying anything to them. I was praying for them, Ruby told Mrs. Henry. She shared with her teacher that every day, as she pulled up to school, she prayed that God would forgive the white people for their anger. She'd forgotten to say her usual prayer in the car that day, so she made sure to do it before she entered the school. As time passed, white students eventually returned to school. Their parents were tired of the shenanigans they'd gotten into at home. While this angered the mob, it also encouraged other parents to send their students back too. Like Ruby's mother, these parents didn't want their children robbed of a good education just because some people were so hateful. By the time Ruby had entered second grade, the angry crowd had grown tired of showing up every day to harass a little girl and Ruby was integrated into classrooms with the white students. Eventually, 
More black children would attend William France, including four of Ruby's own nieces. After graduating from a desegregated high school, Ruby became a travel agent. She eventually married and raised four sons. And in 1996, Ruby reunited with Mrs. Henry and the two of them did a few speaking engagements together. The fact is, these injustices didn't happen that long ago. Ruby is still fighting for equality and working hard to make sure every child has equal access to education. We should never look at a person and judge them by the color of their skin. That's the lesson that I learned in first grade. And spreading her message as far and wide as she can. She even wrote a children's book in 2020 called This Is Your Time. In 2011, Ruby was invited to the White House by President Obama. He asked to borrow the famous painting of Ruby Bridges that was done by the artist Norman Rockwell. It's called The Problem We All Live With. While standing in the Oval Office, admiring the painting of tiny Ruby Bridges between the four federal marshals, President Obama told Ruby, I think it's fair to say that if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't be here today. And that is her legacy. A child who walked into the history books, who through that simple but incredibly difficult act of just going to school, helped crack a barrier that we're still struggling with, even today. This podcast is a production of Rebel Girls. It's based on the book series, Good Night Stories for Rebel Girls. Executive producers are Jess Wolf and Katie Springer. This episode was produced, sound designed, and mixed by Isaac Kaplan-Wolner. Corinne Peterson is our production manager. This episode was written by Kirsty Jewell, proofread by Ariana Rosas. It was narrated by Marley Dias, who we will get to know better on Thursday's episode. Original theme music was composed and performed by Alecha Barjaki. For more, visit rebelgirls.com. Until next time, stay rebel! Thanks for listening to this episode, Rebels. Did you know there's a whole world of Rebel Girls to explore? Go to rebelgirls.com slash more to check out our latest books, t-shirts, crafting kits, and, well, more. Visit rebelgirls.com slash more. Until next time, stay rebel.